Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. This week on Polygamer, there's time with my wife, there's time with my kids, there's, you know, there's the work time. And by the time all that's done now, I have very little time, but I've become much more focused about how I use it. And even when I choose to screw around, by God, do I screw around. You know, lately it's it's some serious wasting of time. That's Scott McMillan, one of five panelists I recently moderated at the monthly meeting of Women in Games Boston, or WIG Boston. The topic of the evening was how to juggle the dual roles and responsibilities of being both a game developer and a parent. I was invited to moderate this panel after the December meetup of WIG Boston, at which I presented a lightning talk about the founding and origin of the Polygamer podcast. Adrian Mills and Nina Huntman, two of the co-chairs of the group, then invited me to participate in the following month as well. This is not a topic about which I know anything from personal experience. In fact, I said that my contribution to the discussion of how to be a parent in the gaming industry is don't, since I advocate for acceptance of the child-free lifestyle. Obviously, that doesn't mean I'm against other lifestyles, though. This is a podcast all about equality and diversity. Infinite diversity and infinite combination, as the Vulcans would say. And so I was happy for the opportunity to moderate a panel of five very talented developers and, from the sounds of it, five wonderful parents. The panelists were Avita Mishad of Harmonix, Chris Hart of the Open Simulator Project, Amanda Warner of Giant Space Cat, Caleb Garner of Part 12 Studios, and Scott McMillan of GSN Games. Unfortunately, despite the five panelists and one moderator, we had only one microphone, which made it more of a series of monologues than an actual roundtable discussion. I prefer panels where the panelists start interacting with each other, but having to pass the microphone back and forth limited that opportunity. Now, I did not have a direct feed off the microphone either, so the audio I captured may not have been ideal. However, my musician friend Wade Clark generally donated his time and expertise and tools to clean it up as best as possible. You can find out more about him and his games, because he himself is a game developer, at wadeclark.com. That's W-A-D-E-C-L-A-R-K-E.com. Additionally, a video of this panel was produced by Oleg Brodsky of the Boston Festival of Indie Games. My understanding is that the video will be posted to the Boston Fig YouTube channel, and when that happens, I'll update this podcast's blog post with a link to that video. If you're interested in learning more about parenting and gaming, a panel that I submitted to PAX East was accepted and will be held the morning of Saturday, March 7, 2015. The panel will include Amanda Warner, who you hear in this podcast, as well as five other parents, and moderator will be Nicole Tompkins-Hughes. I did not submit myself to be on the panel, preferring to hear from actual parents. There's been a lot of other interesting news in equality and diversity lately, including from Zoe Quinn, Pack South, and MAGFest, but this panel ran about two hours. We were given three to play with, so we did not run over. However, that does make for a long episode of Polygamer, so I'm going to cut this introduction short and lead you right into the panel. Thanks so much for listening, and feel free to visit polygamer.net to find out more about the show, visit us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and leave a review in iTunes. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Ken Gagney, and tonight I have been asked to moderate a panel on juggling the dual roles of working in the game industry and being a parent. And we have some excellent speakers here tonight to talk to you about that. First is Avita Mishad. Hi, Avita. Avita is a senior software engineer at Harmonix in Cambridge, where she has worked on such games as Rock Band 2 and 3, and is now working on the Kickstarter-backed Amplitude. Hi, Avita. Hi. And you want to add to that? As far as your um, game development roles go? 
No, that's pretty much it. They tried to put me in other positions. <laughs> uh, joining her is Chris Hart, who is a contributor to the Open Simulator Project and is the developer of the Jive Multiplayer Toolkit for Unity 3D. Hi, Chris. Hi. We also have Amanda Warner, the lead animator and co-founder of Giant Space Cat, where she's currently heading out the children's division, Giant Space Kittens. <laughs> How adorable is that? <laughs> And then next we have Caleb Garner, who runs Part 12 Studios. He is the CEO and mad overlord over there. He, uh, Part 12 Studios is the developer of such games as Rogue Defender, soon to be released, Zen Hopper, and Fish Tronon. Hi, Caleb. And then Ed. I never got it together. Okay. And finally, last but not least, we have Scott McMillan, who is a producer at GSN Games and is co-founder of the Unconference Game Loop. Hi, Scott. This is what happens when you don't send your picture in on time. But the reason we're all up here is not just because these panelists are game developers, also their parents. Aww. So why don't we go down the line and talk a little bit about, uh, you know, were you a parent in the game industry? I mean, were you a parent first? Were you in the game industry first? What was your initiation into those two roles? And we'll start at the far right end with Avita. Hi, Avita. Hi. Um, so, I will I was in um, game industry first. That was my first love, and then my husband. Um, <laughs> and I knew I was always going to have family, but like I didn't know when. And I actually didn't start until I was mid to late thirties. So I had done all the hardcore crunching, long nights, you know, the regular stuff in the industry. So yeah, first. I only got into this by parenting. I was boring before. I wasn't that boring, but my job wasn't that exciting. Um, but I needed something stimulating to do after I had Nathan, you know. Parenting is a lot of cleaning up in that first year, and it's quite hard work. So the last thing you want to do is be playing with Chevron when you did with that. So uh, yeah, I kind of went off a tangent and did something crazy, and it was really fun, and I'm hooked. So my experience actually was simultaneous. Um, I <laughs> I quit my job. I uh, went back to school for um, animation, and <laughs> surprise, got pregnant. Um, so um, yeah, like I was at my um, I was working at a studio, and I'd only been there for like three months. So I was like, oh yeah. So um, by the way, um, I'm gonna have to go on maternity leave in uh, March. <laughs> So um, uh, I was already working with Giant Space Cat at the time, and Bruce like, okay, we can do this. This will be fine. And I was able to, um, you know, uh, my maternity leave was actually pretty short, and she let me ramp back up. But um, yeah, I had to juggle animating an entire game with my first year as a, as a new mom and a, with a newborn. It was not fun, <laughs> but we did it, and I survived. And Innovation. So yeah, it's an interesting trend. It seems like uh, so yeah, pretty much when my first son was born is when we decided, me and my wife decided that you know I should probably just stay home, watch my son. At the time, this was around 2008 when gas prices were really high, and my commute was really long. And we did the math up between childcare and gas and time and all this that I wouldn't be taking home that much, and so I wanted to stay home and pursue my game development you know career because for up till then, I've been doing it kind of as an amateur professional, which might say, doing a lot of mods and stuff. So yeah, so around 2008, my son was born, and I quit my day job. I was doing 
work doing database management at the Hemophilia Clinic in Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. And um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of basically how it got me into into the uh, and just ever since then we just kind of did more freelance work and what we're doing today. Oh, I'm not going to innovate now. I'm just going <laughs> <laughs> right, to. That's fine. I'll work. <laughs> right. So uh, I, my story is actually sort of the opposite of, of Caleb's. Is that uh, I was doing I've been doing games since 2002, uh, and before my wife and I had our first kid, uh, Peter, our son, uh, I was doing my indie studio, uh, and Peter heralded the end of that, uh, which was which was part of our deal. Uh, we had made a deal where uh, we knew we wanted to have kids, and we had said, okay, we're going to shoot for right around here. And before then, we had embarked on doing my, Anya was supporting us while I did my indie studio. And we said, okay, we've got till about here. And Anya was very kind and gave me a couple more months to really run that thing into the ground um, before I closed it down. Uh, but then, then I moved uh, from there out of games proper and into more like the startup and bigger uh, company area. And then now, uh, I mean, the scene in Boston changed a lot, but I went from doing you know more AAA dev and now, now I'm doing uh, social game dev for GSM. So that's how you each got into the roles of being a parent and being a game developer. And we won't ask for your advice on how to get into the former role of being a parent. Um, but let's say that you know somebody in the Boston area wants to get into the games industry, and they also know that they either want to have a family someday or they already have one. What sort of workplace should they be looking for? What questions should they be asking during that interview? What benefits should they be looking for? It depends in part upon you know if you're doing this with a partner and your partner has insurance. Um, like, it's important to understand what kind of coverage you have. Uh, and probably we'll talk more about that, so I won't get too much into that, but that is important. Um, the, uh, the biggest thing that I would look at right now besides good insurance coverage would be an understanding of, during that job interview, really understanding what the culture is of the company and what kind of crunch they do, if they do any my job decisions have been very much predicated in the last several years on how much crunch is involved. Um, and GSN is a really great company at having very good work-life balance, and that was really important to me. Um, it's the kind of thing you can't just ask about because nobody in their right mind says, oh yeah, we crunch like crazy. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, some, some companies, that's part of the culture, it's an obvious part, um, you know, and, and that's something where they're like, yeah, if you want nine to five, don't come here. That'll be easy. Um, but there's some companies where you'll get in there and they're like, oh no, we don't crunch. You know, we don't, well, I mean, you know, we work late. You know, everybody works late though, you know, and then like, oh, well, work late means everybody works roughly 10 hours a day every day all the time. Okay, that's good to know. And that's not necessarily out of balance for everyone, but that's not something you want to be surprised about either. Yeah, our, my situation is, again, my wife basically has the day job, so she has the insurance and the coverage, you know, and that's, so, and that works out well for us. There's no reason for us both to have jobs that both offer insurance, really. So. Uh, fortunately, our children are healthy and everything's good in that respect. Uh, but you know, I think the uh, and then from my perspective, you know, I'm a self-employed type person, so I'm not really doing job interviews, and I really never had to uh, be in that situation to be concerned about what an employer is offering me. But I would just be sure, you know. I guess the the, the big question is just, you know, you're being responsible for yourself and, and also for your, you know, your children, and, and so it's important to basically be sure that you have all bases covered. You know, if you're going to be going on your own and do your own thing, that's great. Just be sure, you know, that you can take care of everyone. And uh, that's, you know, and that can be a tough 
tough at times, but definitely we should focus on that. One of the joys of being indie is the fact that you can kind of set your company culture as you like it. Um, and being co-founder of uh, Giant Space Cat, um, I mean, we have core hours that we, we work with, but one of the things that after we shipped Revolution 60, I said to Bree, you know, like, I would really love it if at 5 o'clock I can go pick up Emma and be done. Because while we were working, um, while we were in crunch, like, I would go get her, do dinner with her, put her to bed, immediately go back to work. Um, and that's just something that we had to do while we were trying to get Kate out the door. Um, now we are flexible enough and, and it's important enough to us that like, we want to make sure that we are promoting that kind of a, a you know, the 95, like that, that 95 um, company culture is what we're, what we're really working towards. Um, and that'll work for some people and it will work for others, but I guess it's, it's finding that out and making sure that it's something that you want. Yeah, I'd say that's this is quite a similar story. My husband has been the primary breadwinner for the past eight years. Um, we kind of always assumed that was the way it was going to go, even though we, we'd alternated roles over the years. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, st I started out on this basically by desperately wanting to do something interesting and creative um, working from home um, because I just found that commuting to work, um, leaving my son at daycare was just not great. So I was working from home and I ended up partnering up with two guys in Florida for four years working on virtual world software. And I was in the UK at the time, so I was working till midnight with those guys. Um, but remote working was, it was was very much the key for that one. I would say yes. I did. I did a lot of semi hours for the first um, for the first couple of years, and then kind of made the that this is this isn't working. Uh, we can do this without doing semi hours. And now I'm I'm doing a, a steady day job with indie dev on my on my side. Fifty-fifty split almost. But I'm very conscious of the end of day barrier, and I'm trying to make sure that I try and maintain that healthy work-life balance. And I think any employer you're looking for, you're looking for something that is flexible because kids are unpredictable, things happen, there are pickups, there's after-school activities that are so cool and exciting for your kids that if you don't let them do them, they're going to be kind of missing out. There's so much stuff they don't do in school. Yeah, yeah you miss out too, yeah. So I, I coach soccer, it's great fun. I get to interact with all the kids in the area. And Nathan's a great time, well, certainly a great time. Um, but yeah, I'd miss out on that if I couldn't finish work at five o'clock and go and do that sort of thing. So flexibility, absolutely. Yeah, like ten hours a day, ain't gonna cut it. I haven't worked at a very small studio ever. Pretty much worked for a lot of large game companies. Um, and I would I would recommend, depending on the size, the first thing I would ask is, what are your core hours? And it doesn't mean it's eight to ten hours the day, it means when are the core hours that you need, you're going to be scheduling heavy duty meetings, people are expected to be in the office or Skype in or whatever. Um, most of them usually are 10 to 4, which is a pretty flexible thing for parents if they go to school or have nannies or whatnot. Um, so that seemed to be like one of my, my biggest things. And this is the reason why I've been at Harmonix for so long, over seven years now, is that um, they, they allow this 
10 to 4. I don't work a full eight-hour day, and uh, they know that. <laughs> but I put in, and I do everything I'm supposed to do. So that's what they care more about. And I think it's actually very important to be efficient with your time and make sure you get everything done you promised. And, you know, that you won't feel guilty that you have to go log in at night and do extra work. Sometimes I do if I'm behind or I want to finish something. But for the most part, I go in at 9.30, I leave at 4.30 because I want to drop off my kids and I want to pick them up because those are the best times. So I think it's important for you guys to understand that a lot of companies don't have that. Um, they tend to do, you know, some of them are late starts, right? And they'll have, you know, 11 o'clock to them will be like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know. It's, it's different, you know. It's, it's just 2 o'clock to you, I mean. So it's kind of, you know, your day's half done almost. So I think it's important, you know, the benefits are huge. Uh, flexible sick time. My company just started to do um, unlimited sick, which is fantastic because my sick time's pretty much done by January like 20th. My yeah. kids get sick all the time in the winter. So, and you know, you're, you're screwed. You're using your vacation time at that point. So that's really nice. Those kind of benefits are really, really nice to have. Um, another thing you should look out for is the job position you're looking for. If it's a lead, you should really be asking, you know, what are the expectations of a lead? How long do you think, you know, are you expected to stay at night? Can I finish working from home at night? Um, you know, uh, Dan was uh, with me as my QID for Rock Band 3 while I was pregnant with twins. And I literally, till the very end, I had to bring my 360 home, had to bring my everything home, and Skype camera, everything, because I couldn't fit behind the steering wheel. But I finished the game. <laughs> you know? So it's, it was expected that I need to put in those hours to get everything down, but they were really flexible and let me do all the stuff to account for my <laughs> harshness. So Amanda and Scott touched upon the concept of crunch time, and I'm sure you've all experienced it. I'm wondering what that looks like when you're a parent. Does your boss say, for example, all right, everybody, we're here till midnight, so we get this done. Scott, you get to go home because you have a family. Or is it just the opposite, where there are, say, weeks or months at a time where your kids no longer remember what you look like because you're working so hard? What does crunch time look like when you're a parent? I was really careful to, to kind of change my filters for what jobs I was looking at at that point. And so I haven't ended up in a situation where I've had to crunch. Um, I did a ton of crunch at a couple different companies earlier in my career. Um, but then when I was looking at, you know, after Peter was born, um, I pretty much, it was a non-starter for me to have a crunch culture. Um, so I have been able to avoid it pretty much. Um, the spots where I've been in where it's required me to work late or there's been an issue, um, it's, you know, my, my wife and I have juggled that. Uh, luckily, there's no real need, at least in what I'm doing, uh, to be in the phys physically in the office. Um, so, you know, I've got my laptop. If I'm at home, that's fine. Um, it means that I can work from home and, and my wife subs for me on whatever was going on if I needed, if I was on for something that night. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, I'll make it up to her at a, at a later point. We'll balance it out. Yeah, so, you know, it's funny. It's <laughs> I mean, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they do not understand Daddy needs to get this done. <laughs> it's just amazing how they just don't understand. And of course, your children. But uh, it's it's rough. It, it really can be. I, I do. I am. Again, I 
indie self-employed work at home kind of thing. But uh, sometimes I do have to get my wife, who's extremely supportive, and I certainly couldn't do what I've done without you know her being on board. And kind of Scott, I mean, you guys had an agreement. I think it's really important that you know if you are in a relationship with someone that you know that you know where they are with things. That it's it's it's, it's a mutual thing. It's an understanding because you know you you don't want to. You know, I have to be careful. Like I don't always go to these things, these different events uh, these days, because you know I have to, my wife's now watching the boys. You know, I I'm taking time away from that to come out to all these. And there's so many events that go on here. You know, I just you know I, I was talking about the other day we were talking about like um, game jams. Like uh, you know my wife works retail. She has changing schedule hours and such, and we we handle it well. But the idea of having a free weekend to just go off and Basically, screw around for 48 hours. Um, it's just isn't going to happen for the foreseeable future. You know, it just isn't. I mean, I've done them before; they're great, but that's just how it is. So, so yeah, I think it's just important that you make sure that you know you and your partner are on board together, and that you have their support. But don't take it for granted either, because I, have to, you know, I have to be careful about that. Like, oh yeah, I got to go to this meeting on this night. And there's another event going on with this one, and I'm, I'm on this panel here, and you know, it's just I have to, I have to balance it. So, uh, yeah. So basically. <laughs> I don't have so much crunch as like hacks. Here's <laughs> the game here. I'm playing Reminder like this. Like there, um, we, we've done packs every year, and like I didn't see Emma for like the entire weekend, um, and it takes a lot of hands to to make that happen. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, just to come here tonight. We had to get my father-in-law to come and watch her just to cover the gap between like me picking her up from from daycare and him coming home from Somerville. So um, yeah, it, like everybody else has said, it's definitely having a partner that will that will support you and help you out with it, and just finding ways to make it work and having a support system and. Kind of putting your foot down sometimes and saying, you know, I can't stay that late. I can make it up in other ways, but um, I won't be here until 10, 10 p.m. because I can't stay up that late anymore. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, same here. I, mean, I, I make it out occasionally to meet up as often as I can. My husband works at IBM, uh, he has calls, and he's the money guy, you know, I can't say, oh, I need to go out, I need to go out, I do sometimes, but I have to sort of respect the fact that you know, he's, doing, he's doing a lot of important stuff. He has a call tonight in China at 9.30. I've done conference calls at 2 a.m. in the past because I ended up working with customers around the world. I had Australian clients at one point, I had customers in Saudi, I had all sorts of people I had to talk to at strange times of the day. And working for yourself, I mean, I was a, with a partnership of three of us. I was the developer, and even though, you know, work for yourself or a small team, it's really flexible. You've got customers, the customers are expecting something, and something has to be produced on time, and if I'm the developer, oh, <laughs> it's like going to be working late again. So that was hard, um, until we had more help, which went that was great. Um, but yeah, working for yourself isn't always, isn't always the rosy, wonderful thing, unless you're just literally working on your own project. If you have any kind of customer interaction, then you're not the one in control. So you've got to be prepared for that level of inflexibility. I've never done a game jam, ever. I don't know if I ever will. That weekend thing is really hard. It's the only time we actually get to spend time together as a family, really. Um, so they're really precious to me. So taking a whole weekend. I did want to, I did want by myself, though. But I did, um, 
my little game that I made was essentially my own personal game jam because I thought I could work on this from home. I could get Nathan to help a little bit, but maybe one year I'll do it. But it's Sounds like many of you have telecommuted full-time, especially if you're working for an indie studio or for yourselves, or if you work for a AAA publisher, you have the option to telecommute, especially as Vita said, if you can't fit me on the steering wheel. Does telecommuting with kids, is that easier or harder? I mean, I know several people who have never done it, and they go into it thinking, I'm going to be so productive, I'm going to be able to work on my code, and the kids are right there, I'm going to be watching them at the same time and then they end up just being able to do one or the other and they fall continuously farther and farther behind in their work. So it's, it's not always the ideal scenario people think it is. What has been your experience with telecommuting? Why don't we start with Anita and work left for change? <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> you have the most amazing intentions. We're going to be so productive. Do it while they nap. No, they're not going to nap that day because they know you're going to be... Yeah, no, don't do it. It's I've, I've kidded myself when I was on maternity leave. I was I was lucky to have six months with my twins, and then <laughs> literally 18 months later, I had, well, 12 months later, I had another maternity leave, <laughs> my surprise, um, for four months, because, you know, I felt bad. I want to take another six months. Um, but I was like, I was telling the CTO, I'm like, you know, I can, I can log in, I can do stuff. He's like, are you? Insane. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the twins are just gonna sleep the first couple of months, you know? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. And yeah, no, they were they were just plopping wherever they could fall asleep, and I was tiptoeing around them, trying to like tie them on when I like, you know, I'd help me if the mute button wasn't on the computer, you know? It was no. Hey, you have special DVDs, special things you prepare ahead of the call, which you have with the customer, and you you set it all up. And you hit that button two minutes before you're due to dial into the conference call. And he's sitting down, he's ready for watching it. Five minutes in, little feet come in. Mommy! <laughs> Cutest boys in the entire world. Everyone on the call bursts out laughing on that. Oh, he's so sweet. Because all that professionalism that you've been projecting for the last five minutes is gone. I am totally wrong. Excuse me, I'm just going to mute for a moment, guys. <laughs> what is it, darling? And you fix them up and you go back to the call and you forgot what you were talking about and it's all chaotic. It does work to a point with one, if you're lucky, and you do have that one DVD that works every time with magic. When it stops working, then it's a problem. Um, when they get older, they're more understanding and they, they give you that personal space that you've been craving for the last, God knows how long, just for that half an hour window of call that you need to make. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult. You, you learn a new level of tolerance. And uh, if you have nice accepting customers and co-workers, then you're fine, but, uh, yeah, each to their own on that one. <laughs> so I worked exclusively from, from home um, with, uh, with Giant Space Cat, and the, the first couple of months she was around, um, you know, she was new to us, um, yeah, like I was able to keep her kind of occupied, she napped sporadically and I would work while she was napping. Um, as she got older, um, luckily I was close enough to my parents where like they could watch her for the day. And then we, you know, graduated to daycare. Um, had somebody, you know, come and watch her during the day. There was no because it became very obvious like there was no way I was going to be able to do both effectively. 
um, the times where I didn't have a babysitter, I can't tell you how much like YouTube uh, elbow that we watch. So she'd be like sitting on my lap, and thank God I have two monitors. So like this monitor was all Elmo and and cartoons and like oh, whatever. <laughs> and so I'm animating on the other screen, and it totally worked out. And she's like, can you? And even now, I mean, she's almost three, and she's like, can you play Frozen again? <laughs> <laughs> frozen, not frozen. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> and it, I, I do get a little added benefit of kind of being able to geek out on the animation while she's watching it. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. <laughs> she found this really random, um, like, Russian little kid. It's like this kid and a bear, and I have no idea what it's about, but the animation is actually really cute. So um, I get to study a little bit while she's doing. <laughs> I still do my work, but you really gotta have like an extra distractor because otherwise, I'm fun. What? We used to think of like the Family Guy thing, right? When Stewie walks up to Mom, Mom, Mom. My wife gets so mad at me because I have like the best filter. I, got, I really can't. When I get my little blinds on, I just don't hear or nothing else exists. But eventually, it has to you have to give in. But uh, the other thing I had to think of was you guys have seen that one, the oatmeal comic strip about basically talking about what oh, like where you work from. It's so funny. It's <laughs> it just made me think of that as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it is tough, really. Um, you know, I remember when I was, when I was my first son was born, uh, Ashton, he was in my lap, and I was literally having my leg crossed like this, and I was, basically I had like my leg here, his head was here, I had the bottle <laughs> cradled here, and he just lay there, and it was just get fed, and I just sit there and I'm typing, and it was just, <laughs> it worked out pretty well for a couple months, but eventually he, he grow bigger, and then they, they stopped wanting to do that. But anyway, so yeah, it's it's rough. Um, it's just to do that, but she doesn't find a balance, and it is it's really uh, just you know just it is. I just think that the, the idea is, I think the theme here is don't expect to get much done. Don't expect it. If you can count your blessings, and it's possible. It's not like nothing ever gets done, but. I just have found that whenever I count on that, I've never, you know, it's funny because more recently than ever have I ever found how useful the mute button really is in programs like Skype and stuff. Like, I used to never use mute. I just, why would I not, why, why do you need mute for? I'm not talking. I got the music in the background. There's nothing going on. I don't like, oh crap, I need to use this mute button because the kids are about to start fighting and, you know, <laughs> there was a little conference call going on. So, um, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's just my thoughts. Right now, I'm, 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 we're, my wife and I are really lucky in that uh, my salary is enough to support us both for my wife staying at home with our kids. Um, so when I work from home from my current job, which I do once or twice a week, um, I pretty much I'm upstairs in our in our bedroom at a desk, and they don't bother me. Uh, they know not to come upstairs. Uh, Peter's four and a half, Tamsin's two and a half, and Anya has them, and, and they don't usually interrupt me. Um, and if they do, it's, it's a matter of, ah, right, okay, you go back downstairs, thank you. Um, I'll see you in five hours. The, uh, <clears throat> which is, honestly, it's a luxury. The whole thing, soup to nuts. Um, the, uh, but I do, when, uh, when Peter was really young, I was still trying to do indie dev, and often I would get up with Peter at, like, once he was in some sort of sleep cycle, I'd get up with him at 5 a.m. and put him into the carriage in our kitchen, 
and I would, uh, and I, it was my 5 a.m. game dev time, and I would, I would put two little kids' stools that had their name blocks in them, I would put two of those on our kitchen table, and then my laptop on that, and I would, I would push the carriage with my foot, and I would code in Unity while, while that was going on. And I felt so awesome, I was like, I was like, I can do three limbs at once. Um, but what, what all of that taught me <clears throat> was that you need a protected time and space to be able to get anything productive done, which I think is what everyone's agreeing with, is that you know if you don't have that protection and that carved out, um, then you can't expect to be productive at all. And if you do have it, then yeah, you've got all you have to deal with is the regular issues of working from home, like did I wear pants, and you know, <laughs> is this YouTube's third hour that I've been surfing in? Oh god. <laughs> so we talked about telecommuting, and earlier we talked about insurance and coverage, and whether that comes from your employer or from your partner. For those of you who have experience with both working for indies or being an indie or working for a third party. Are there advantages or disadvantages to one or the other? Like if somebody wants to get into the new industry, but they have a family or raising a family is really important to them, what size employer do you recommend they look for or do you recommend they strike out on their own? I think that the whole thing starts with an analysis of your finances and your level of comfort with varying levels of security. Um, you know, how comfortable are you with you know, minimalist health plan versus, you know, do you need the gold, do you, to be able to sleep at night, do you need to have two salaries and help and like gold plate insurance? So it's about, it's about what you and if you have a partner, what your partner are comfortable with, what you want to accept in terms of financial risk. Um, because, you know, you've got, you know, potentially you're, you're outside of games, making more money than you would inside of games, making potentially a ton more money than you would if you go in. Uh, and with going indie or any sort of entrepreneurial venture, you have the idea that you may not make any money for a long time and you may not make any at all. So it's very much about having a good understanding with your partner of what risk you can take. Um, and then from there, I think then you can kind of, if you, you know, if you have, if you're in a spot where you can choose kind of between some of those options, then you can figure out between the two of you, well, I'll do this and you'll do that and we'll divide this up this way. And then you can arrive at decisions about, you know, your finances and your health plans and stuff like that. Um, I have to say, being in Massachusetts, maybe before Obamacare went nationwide, in Massachusetts we are covered. Um, so Ben, uh, ben and I are both independent. He runs a Kung Fu studio and I'm an independent game developer. So we're on Mass Health. Um, we started off paying a small amount. Last year we didn't pay enough. But uh, we were totally covered and then this year I think we go back to um, go back to having to pay a little bit. But that is an option. Like that is out there. Um, so it can be done. Um, it's tight. It's not awesome. It's not like, you know, we're swimming in like Piles of money, <laughs> but um, there there are ways. And if you do go the indie dev route, I mean, chances are you have other skill sets that you can use to make money on the side, like you know, selling artwork or stuff like that. So there are small pickup work if you're not you know totally totally invested in game dev all the time. Like if you have some spare time, sometimes you can supplement. Do parents have spare time? 
oddly enough, you can eke it out, <laughs> but it is it is kind of a sparkling unicorn. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! Like when she goes to bed at night, we get you guys probably will experience this too. That like time when they go to bed and the time that you go to bed is this golden <laughs> square of like I can watch whatever the f I want. <laughs> I can actually talk to my husband and <laughs> drink a glass of wine and it's cool. <laughs> but then you like fall asleep at ten o'clock. Yeah. Um, I would say true for any career. Um, you, if you are in a team of two. Um, and you have at least one supporting partner, then you have a series of choices ahead of you. Do you want to be primarily focused on your children? Do you want to be, are you, are you the sort of person who needs to work? Do you need to be around people? Do you need that energy of being around other people when you're working? Um, you do have a choice. After you've had kids, after a certain point, it is possible to throw them in a daycare of some sort for some hours. Um, the time at which you can put them in daycare does extend as they get older and they do enjoy it. There's really good benefits from them being and then they get to socialise, have fun, get sick, get better, get immune systems. Um, yes. But you, you have that option. I mean, I have the, the option to, if I wanted to, I could go back to work full time. I could um, stick my son in an after school program until six o'clock every day. Um, I would have a lot more hours in my day to work. Or, I'd rather actually kind of pick him up at three most days if I can because we're right next to the school and he can come home and I can noodle about, keep working from home on small projects. But it really does depend on what your work ethic is. Do you need people? Do you need a computer with code? Um, I, I like code. Um, but you know, sometimes you need people and if you want to be in an office with people a lot more than, you know, than being at home all the time, then you have that balance that you have to come consider. If we were two, two breadwinners, we could probably have a, a bigger house and you'd be in childcare all the time. I don't really want that. Um, so we're kind of happy where we are now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a constant re-evaluation as they get older. Now, the only uh, quick thing I would add is um, I, I didn't actually make any conscious decisions because I had my children while I was at Harmonic, so I didn't um, you know, the choices, I decided to stay. I decided that I will stay in games, even though I'll make less money than I would in software development somewhere else. But I think for my husband and I, we're both, we both work and we're a two-salary family living in South Boston. And we, don't, and we like to have the city, we like to have our children in this environment, being around, you know, daycare is expensive, God, it's so mm -hmm. fucking expensive. <laughs> um, but it's, it, was our, it was our choice and we could have easily, you know, lessened the risk by moving or, you know, going, getting a higher paying job somewhere else out of a less creative, you know, company kind of thing. I, I, I think it's just kind of like, I, I would personally recommend following your passion and it kind of, it does happen for you. Like naturally when you're good at something and you enjoy it, people respect you for it and they, they want, they want to keep you and they invest in you. And I think that's really, the, the big the big thing I would take away from from my experience. It sounds like all the variables and factors you need to consider when deciding between going indie or working for a third party, such as how comfortable are you with not making money every month, or how much do you need to be around people? Those are the same things you would consider whether you have family or your child free. 
It's just that maybe the threshold for financial risk might be a little bit lower. But pretty much it's the same questions we would be asking ourselves no matter what our family situation is. So one of the things that uh, that I've noticed about my life at, when I became a parent and, and in the years since is that I've uh, become really, really much better at focusing um, and using small amounts of time productively. Um, the the amount of you know dithering and screwing around I was capable of back in my my, my younger days. I look back and I laugh at that Scott. I, I'm like, oh my God, you idiot! You had all that time and you blew it. Um, how many days on that Warcraft character? I know the armor was nice, but Jesus, you could have written a book. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, uh, and I think that that's. I, I'd like to hear if you folks think the same thing. But, you know, for me, everything became the discretionary time I had got squished down to a tenth, and so everything gets spoken for. Um, there's time with my wife, there's time with my kids, there's, you know, there, there's the work time, um, there's all the things that go into, you know, our home and, and life and shopping for food and other things and cooking. And, and by the time all that's done now, I have very little time, but I've become much more focused about how I use it and I use it much better. And even when I choose to screw around, by God, do I screw around. You know, like, like it's, it's some serious wasting of time. <laughs> I, I pack a lot of wastrel activity into a very small window. Um, and I think that that's kind of the whole, the whole arc is that, you know, it is the same set of circumstances and decisions, but everything gets much more focused. And it's, it's higher risk, it's higher reward. Um, the, uh, I saw a very funny Facebook post a while back where it was like, happiness of someone who doesn't have children. And here's like the median. And it was like like this, and then happiness to somebody who does have children, and it's yes. like this, and the, and the averages are the same, right? So I think I think that that bears out. Like it's very different, um, but very much you know similar, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have any like life-altering things to add to that, but um, definitely in agreement. It's very high highs and very low lows, but a nice like middle area. Let it be noted, Amanda Warner is in agreement with Scott. <laughs> so many of you have had experience both working for indie and working for third parties, uh, but I am the host of the Polygamer podcast, which addresses issues of equality and diversity in gaming, and that podcast was born from a Paxi's panel I moderate on gender inequality specifically. And this is something that none of you have experienced with both sides of the equation, but I'm wondering, have you observed any difference in your workplace between how dads are treated versus how moms are treated? Because there are, you know, traditional gender roles. If we were to go back 50 years, this would be a very different conversation. But do you find it, you know, easier or harder to have that conversation with your boss, or to get that time off, or any of the other benefits that may be associated with one gender versus the other? Who would like to start? Avita. Thankfully, I don't think I've actually experienced any difference. The only big difference is far fewer female engineers that have children. Either they decide they want to stay home afterwards, um, or they don't exist, you know, or they're at home working from home, or, you know, there's, there's far fewer in, like, the larger game studios. So I, I tend to not have um, a lot of uh, companions in that sense, but I have a lot of dads I work with, and we're all kind of the same. We all, you know, shoot the shit about the same 
stuff we got to deal with every morning. And oh, did you see Einstein's workshop up there? That's fantastic. Go there. You know, Minecraft stuff. It's great. Um, you should take all your kids or go yourself. Um, but I think, I think in general, I haven't experienced it. And all throughout, and I started in '99. All throughout my life and my career, I've never experienced any difference as far as um, fathers versus mothers. It's unfortunate fathers don't get as much um, paternity leave. That's kind of a, a, you know they they need to be around too. But you know I think it's it's getting better. But I think that's really my only comment. So I would encourage fathers and mothers to to do this. I'd say one of the strangest things I had to, uh, and still am overcoming, is the, the different social circles you end up mixing in when you are a parent and you're, you're waiting outside for your child to come outside and you're chatting with the other parents and none of them are going to help us. They all look like you're crazy, you know. And I find it very difficult sometimes to get over that initial barrier of something to talk about that's coming around. Um, which is why I love coming to places like this. Um, but anyway, you end up talking about your kids. Um, and as I said, your, your social interactions will be very different. Um, uh, but it, there, are, there are far fewer dads that are the primary caregiver, I guess, this morning. But yeah, the one who is usually at the pickup, the one who is usually in the drop up pickup, ferrying around taxi service, all of that stuff. Um, there's fewer dads that do it. Um, so, but it, it's it is. I have a friend who is a prominent dad blogger, and he's he's got a, a, a very forceful take on the idea that it shouldn't just be moms this and moms that. It should be parents, because um, you know kids are. It's it's one of those things you have to come come to terms with. Thankfully, I haven't come. Uh, I'm diverging, but I haven't experienced any real issues gender related. Um, but yeah, just that, that general feeling of. Nothing to say to these people. I stop about the kids. Um, so that's, that's an interesting one. Yeah, no, I totally got job shamed on the uh, on the playground the other day. I'm not kidding. She's like, "What do you do?" I was like, "Oh, I work in video games." She's like, "I don't know what to do." Okay. So like, do you want a parade or a cookie? Like, so yeah, totally failure. I think, um, you know, I was I was lucky with Giant Space Cat that um, Bree immediately, my co-founder, immediately was just like, okay, great, you know, we'll, we'll work with it, we'll make it happen, um, just don't go anywhere, like, okay. <laughs> um, but I was uh, I was an animation assistant at a, at a studio with Emma, and correct me if I'm wrong, like, I think I was the one and only pregnant woman to like walk through the door there. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. No, there were a ton of dads in the office, but I, you know, when um, when suddenly I started to show, <laughs> nobody knew what to do with me. <laughs> They're all very nice. <laughs> but everyone like, um, do you need to go? What do you need to do? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's I don't know. This is my first time doing it. <laughs> No, it, there there were a ton of dads in, in the office, and um, it it seemed as though like they they were much more flexible. Like they had wives at home who were taking care of the kids, and I know a couple of them kind of wish that they had more time with their kids. But it is uh, like even Jeff um, Jeff Bergdahl, our, our VP, um, when I started, 
his wife had uh, just given birth to twins, and he was gone for like like a week, <laughs> and then he was back and, and bedraggled, and you know, like his, he's not sleeping either. <laughs> um, so I, I remember at the time thinking, gee, I really wish you had more time to like go be home and, and, and help your wife, um, but also like enjoy that time and try to get some sleep somehow. Um, so I, I do think that it's really unfortunate that guys still get as much paternity leave. Like, because I know I would want my husband home with me that same amount of time too because there were definitely times where like we had one night where literally we passed her back and forth in like four minute increments because that's all we could take because it was just screaming. So uh, it's not official, so it'll vary company to company. It's, I, I know, uh, you know, across the rest of the world, um, it's, you know, it's much better. Yeah, it's, it's like six question. months, like, how long it I know there's a minimum amount in Massachusetts. It's, 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 I think it's more than that. Six weeks or something. Well, uh, yeah, I thought it was like six or two Two weeks paid. Yeah, right. yeah. Or if you can afford the pay, but then you can... It, I think it's per company. And, and, it, and it does depend on your status, too. Like, if you're full-time versus part-time. Yeah. Like if you're part-time, you get nothing. Um, hey, this is recorded. I just want to tell you. I came to the U.S. You know, I thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Considered that. Um, yeah, so, um, I'm trying to leave. Hey! Um, if you can, I, I ran back in. I took a short maternity leave because I wanted to get back to work on the project. Um, and like I said before, Bruce was flexible with me. And I started at like 20 hours. And over the course of um, about a month and a half, I worked back up to just um, <laughs> like 50 hours. Um, so if there is any flexibility you have, that's really, that's really awesome. And uh, yeah, you know, it kind of on the whole gender role thing. So, you know, that's definitely what happened with, with me. It was kind of flipping the script on that because, you know, I basically stayed home while my wife worked. Well, I was watching the sun most of the time. And I mean, it's, you know, it's challenging, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was, it was a really neat opportunity, and I'm glad I took it, you know, to have that time, at least with my first son. You know, with the second son, a little bit different in terms of just the, I guess the, the arrangement was a little different, but still, it was more or less me staying home. And, you know, I don't mind. I, I, I am kind of the, the driver, basically. I, I tend to be this. We have one car, you know, so, and that's, it's parked down the street. So my wife's stranded <laughs> at home right now, right? So the kids, but, um, but no, it's, it's, it's all right, though. It's the, the um, I, I, I drop my son off at daycare, and I drop my other son off at school. I drop my wife off at work. I mean, I pick everyone up. I do a lot of that. And sometimes she'll take herself in, and I'll stay home with the boys, and we're stranded. But, as long as we got food, we're pretty much good to go. And so, but yeah, you know, I guess my, my message for this would just be, you know, for guys out there who are, you know, you know, looking at doing game development, and maybe family is a factor that you're looking at either currently or in the future, you know, don't be afraid of that. I don't, I'm really, um, I never really got much, um, I got no um, shame or whatever from anybody for doing that. And it's kind of interesting you're saying about the uh, being a game developer and, and doing that kind of stuff. Maybe people not take serious, but I've actually found that you People, and maybe this is one slight difference. I, when I tell people I do video games for a living, 
uh, they seem to think it's really cool. Like it's not irresponsible or it's not heady or silly. They're like, oh, that's really neat, you know. And that's the general response, which of course is kind of cool. Like that's one reason, you know, it's a neat job, right? It's like if you say you do films or you do music, you know, you're doing something that's creative where most people are doing day jobs and just crunching numbers or doing whatever. So, so yeah. So uh, just don't be afraid of maybe changing the, uh, the, you know, exploring those gender differences than what maybe the traditional. Uh, family model may have been. It, it means you can pursue your passion and your goals in life. I actually haven't seen much in the way of uh, differences between men and women, how they're treated with maternity leave and, and having children in the workplace, but that is because of the incredibly depressingly low number of females that I have worked with in the game industry. So that's not good. Um, I do think that it probably is uh, a problem in larger companies uh, for women, but that's just based on kind of what I know about the general situation for, for game development and not firsthand. Thank you. So for a group called Women in Games, we haven't actually talked much about the games themselves, and I'd like to fix that. So we there are whole other panels about representation of women in games, but in the past few years, we've started seeing some examples such as Bioshock Infinite or The Walking Dead, where the protagonist's relationship with the female is more paternal than it is romantic. So I'm wondering, does being a parent influence your decisions when you are developing games, like the kind of games you make, or the characters you put in them, or the relationships or plots that you put into your games? Absolutely. Um, I've seen my son interact with pretty much every form of gaming media known to people. Everywhere. He's, he, he, um, he saw us playing Lego Star Wars uh, a long time ago. I can't see far, far away. Uh, it was about 18 months old and he wanted to play. And so he had little control in his hand, he's standing in the middle of the room. Um, and that was, that was the start. And um, I'm, I'm terrible. He's played everything now. Um, but see, he, he interacts with games. He doesn't like games for kids, he absolutely hates them. He wants games based for adults. He wants to play all the adult games, but I have to filter out the ones that are totally not suitable for him. Um, but I can see that the things that he enjoys about the games that he plays are the ones that actually involve, uh, they involve precision, they involve some pretty complex game mechanics, but they are challenging mentally and physically. And he likes, he, he really loves a challenge. He's up for a challenge. So I'm, I'm coming at the the idea of making games thinking of things that will be fun for kids that won't, you know, be rated R, but that would be, um, but would be fun also to an older audience equally. It, it shouldn't. I don't want it to be exclusively one or the other. And I think, I think, you know, the, the idea of a game that is more, um, uh, I don't think of the right word for it, um, more grown up. Yeah, it's, yeah, just something a bit more tangible that, that has more plot and more story and a bit more tactical maths required to get through it, but that doesn't just go, oh, I'm funny bunnies, um, would be, it's, it's kind of where I'm going from now. I don't want to do funny bunny games, I want to do fun games that, yeah, that you can play to. Um, I actually tend to, in the past I've chosen my the companies I work for based on the games, the type of games they make, and they're usually the type of games I'm proud of making and that I like. Um, so, you know, the rock band, the guitar heroes, the dance centrals, those are all very fun, casual gameplays. Um, my favorite game company, and this was way before, like, 
I was in my 20s, I was young, free, could stay up all night, was actually at Humongous Entertainment. Um, they, they primarily made games for children, uh, young children, PC games and Mac games, and they were amazing, and we loved them, and they're still, to this day, I don't know if anybody actually knows those type of games, but they were a cult. They were, they were awesome. And the story, the characters, the art that went in it, it was really well done. And, you know, we played them as adults. You know, they were fun. Um, so when I, when I have games at home, I tend to have those kind of games. And when I download them on my phone, I tend to do those kind of games just because I like them. Um, so I, I usually am not super aware of, like, you know, the, the risque racing game or something like that. My kids love racing games, but I'll do the lightning and click racing game, you know, because it's safer. <laughs> but, you know, they probably won't swear in it or show boobs or whatever. But, you know, I, I guess I, it's more about, like, it's the stuff I like, so I don't really think that. Um, so I'm still pretty young. So I've got my gaming time after she goes to bed, and, and I'll, um, I'll play Bioshock Infinite and cry at the end. People are like, oh, the daughters, Spoilers. Um, um, and then I just started The Last of Us, and I'm like, the first 20 minutes, I'm like, what the hell? Again, <laughs> again. Um, so I'm like, I, I definitely find myself reacting more now to like the, the parent and the, the loss of a child trope, and it's like, oh my god, I can't handle it. Um, obviously, when it came to making our own game, um, you know, it was like four spies off in space, so there really wasn't an opportunity to like interject that stuff. But um, Emma was with me the whole time I was developing it, and like I didn't mind that she got to watch the battle sequences and everything. And she actually helped me play test a little bit. <laughs> so I'm sitting here making this motion, like <laughs> part of our game is like you know quick time events, so like you have to draw a circle on it. And so like her little chubby hand is going <laughs> making holiday kick somebody, and she's like yay. <laughs> um, but you know, being being a parent developer now, you know, now that that game's done, um, we we're turning our attention to like. Being being a, a center for women of like all demographics, so now I'm focused on kids' games um, with um, giant space kittens, which is so cute. Um, and we're working on a toddler app because I have a toddler, <laughs> so like there is kind of a natural progression sometimes. I think you know as game developers get older and they have kids, they're like, oh, what are my kids like? Okay, that's terrible. I'm gonna make something better. <laughs> the thing is really funny is that it's like. You know, definitely, I, I love letting my, my older son, Ashton, play the games I've made and stuff because he's actually an incredibly good QA guy. He just is, I watched him play other games, like like iPad games, and he's like, hey, daddy, look at this. Like, I don't know if you've played the game uh, Out of This World, right, or Another World. Um, and he's like, he would just play every scene over, and the way, you know, kids like to watch something like a video over and over again, mm -hmm. I see the exact same thing with games. What's interesting about this from the, the QA perspective is that he's like, he naturally just knows how to pick apart each little part of the story, and I was like, how did you figure out that this game was, like, was made in 91, and you just found, like, a bug, you know? <laughs> like, I would have thought someone would have caught this by now or figured out some exploit. And so it's just really humorous to see that. But, uh, but, but seeing... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I've had some games, I've, some prototypes I was working on. It's like, he totally spotted some bug. I'm like, oh, 
I didn't even notice. Didn't, I didn't even think to play like that. Like that's the whole thing, right? Is finding someone who knows how to look at something with a different perspective. So, so kids are like that. But yeah, as far as games, you know, also, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've dabbled with games for my son. That you know, I did a game called Fishtronaut, which was basically based on a, actually a Brazilian cartoon studio, and the, the show was on Netflix for a while. My son loved it. And I got to watch it, and I got to like the show too, because that was pretty cute in animation. So I decided, for the heck of it, to, to reach out to the folks who made it and say, hey, you have any iOS games, or would you be interested in partnering up on it? So, yeah, we ended up basically working together on it, where they have all these, all the animations were done in Flash. So they're all, just give me the Swifts, or, you know, and I can extract the, the, the spreadsheets and make, so it was kind of awestruck a little bit too, because like, I'm actually playing with the original source animation <laughs> files from this TV show that I like, I've been watching. So it's kind of funny. It was, uh, it's silly, but anyway, so it's, um, but it is interesting to see how kids look at games, and I watch how my son plays games. He's totally hooked on Minecraft, probably to a fault, but, you know, we play it together, and we just, I have him in the room with me, and, um, you know, he'll be in his computer, and I'll be online, we'll start a little world together, and go kill some zombies or something, so, anyway, so, it's, so yeah, it's been interesting to watch how they interact with games, and I definitely, uh, encourage people to, if you're making your games, let your children play them. Uh, you know, consider them as test users who, because they, they just, they'll see games in a way you can never see a game again, unless you can go back 20, 30 years, however old you are, to be those ages again. So it's very interesting, I think, just from a, uh, just observational, you know, perspective. Those of you who know me from my indie days know that I have a problem with scope. Uh, I tend to make games that won't be completed by many more people than I am in any period of time that is available to me and or those people. Um, uh, and my kids have been really, really helpful. Uh, well, Tamsin is, is, who's two, is just kind of getting to the point where she's, she's watching Peter and I do stuff. But Peter's been really useful for me as a game dev in helping me be inspired to make games that are small. because. I have goals that are small in terms of the game space, which is, you know, I'm working on a game. So all my dev at this point is, my indie stuff is things I'm working on on the bus. And I have a zombie counting game for Peter, and it shovels in a bunch of Minecraft zombies, and buttons come up that say, you know, two through six, and there's five of them up there. And you hit five, and Peter's voice goes, good job! <laughs> and, uh, and they all zoom off the screen. And, uh, and that's, that's pretty much been done for a while, and now I'm just kind of tweaking it and putting in some more stuff, and and, uh, and it's been really helpful for keeping that scope down. And then Peter's been really inspirational for me when he plays it, because like he wanted, he was like, we need, well, what happened was, he started playing it, and he hit the button, and you know, they go, he hits the, gets the right one, and they go, and I'm like, my son, good camera, this is great. And, and then he hits the button, and spams the hell out of it. And instead of flying off, they all pick new vectors and go in those vectors. So suddenly these zombies are crazily going around the screen and Peter's voice on ad nauseum repeat somehow getting louder and louder. And I'm like, Christ, stop, please. And he's like, that's a, that, that's a zombie dance party. And I was like, you're damn right it is. And so then I had to put in the zombie dance party button. Uh, and he was, I, what I said was, oh, that's a bug, we have to fix that. He said, Dad, do not fix that bug. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, we can work with this. So then I put in the zombie dance party with much better zombie movements. And, uh, and he looks at me, he's like, okay, now you need the disco ball. 
of course, I need the discount. You're absolutely right. And I realized that he's doing this because he would he would help my wife play Plants vs. Zombies in the disco ball. And I'm like, oh, right, I see where you're coming from, but it's still brilliant. We're still going to put it in out of the disco ball. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> the question I asked was how being a parent influences The question you answered was how you exploit your children during game development. <laughs> Which was actually going to be my next question. So I'll skip that one. Uh, this is actually the last question before we open up to q and I'm curious to know, beyond being playtesters, play are you interested, or are you trying to get your kids interested in game development? Or, to back it up a bit, do they even understand what it is mommy and daddy do? Peter, at least, I think, does have a, a, a relative understanding of what I do. Um, he's definitely interested in games. Um, and I've tried to steer him away from, say, the social casino game that I work on at work. Um, he's like, Dad, I want to play casino. I'm like, I'm really conflicted about that. Uh, why don't we distract you? And then, uh, but then uh, we do play, we play a lot of board games. Uh, we just got uh, Splendor, which I realized has an incredibly simple mechanic when it comes to it. It's all about, I have a blue, a red, and a green, and to buy that card, and a blue, a red, a green, and a black. So I gotta get a black. Like it's that simple. Um, so he and I are playing some Splendor together and some Minecraft. Um, what was the question? <laughs> are you are you getting your kids interested in game development? Right. Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, and so uh, Timson's teething. Um, so the. Uh, he is interested in game development. I think he wants, he's naturally interested in what dad does and wants to do the cool things that dad is showing him that he can do with Unity. Um, and he said he wants to, at some point, come into work and fix the bugs in our game. Uh, not that he saw bugs, but he was like, I will come and I will fix bugs. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, he's interested and I think it's, at this point, it's gonna be more of a, a thing to make sure that you know, my wife and I try and strike a balance. I'm very pro games, and Anya's very pro go outside. So you know, we try and strike a good balance of, of both of those things, and try and limit the amount of digital stuff he's doing every day. Um, so at this point, it's more of a I need to pry him away <laughs> more than getting him interested. Yeah, it's, um, I've done the same thing with my son, who is six year old Ashton. Grayson is three, and so he's really just you know. He's funny, but he doesn't really get into that stuff just yet. But Ash does show interest in it, and I've definitely wanted to try to kind of do some stuff together, just put together some simple game ideas, just to show him how it works. And you know, I think just basically it's an experience, just to let him try it out. But you know, I would never obviously force it on him or anything like that. It's just it's it's not like that. But um, he has said, what was it? Was it? Oh, so he's into Minecraft, as I was saying before. And it's funny because I asked him like I think recently we asked him what he wanted to do for a living, and he came up. He's like, I want to be a I forgot how you phrased exactly. Basically, he wanted to be a miner, a singer, and a game developer. And, and it was like all strung into one. Like, it was a fourth job in there, too, somehow a job title. But it was really funny. It's like, it just that all this stuff is in his mind. So, uh, yeah, so it, it, you know, it's definitely something I would you know, love to experience more and more because it is. It's, it's something creative. It's like, you know, would you want to draw a picture with your children? Would you want to do anything? You know, would you want to take some instruments and make music together? It's really just another form of creative expression, as I see it. So, uh, it's definitely something that will happen. You know, as especially the older, if they show interest, I mean, again, I never force it on them, but I certainly would never say, "Oh no, you don't want to 
you want to do this, you know, or something like that. So, uh, yeah. Like I said before, I was still pretty young, um, so you don't. I'd say if that was like you're saying, if that's something that she wanted to get into, I would encourage her. Um, hopefully, it won't be so depressingly, um, <laughs> so depressingly few women in game dev by the time she's old enough to do it. Um, I will say this, like when uh, while I, she knows when I'm working, like if I sit down at the computer, she goes, "Oh, I'm working." Um, and a couple of times we had like an old laptop, and I like pop it open for her, and she just kind of banging on the, <laughs> the keyboard while I'm working. I'm like, "Great, honey, you know." And and she does come up to me, and um, I've got like a very loose beta of, of Cupcake Crisis, and she comes up and will say, like, Mommy, can I play Dia? So um, she's interested in it. Um, being in that I'm, I'm cool at screen time, but I do try to limit it because there is an outdoors out there, and, you know, I don't, I, I want her to experience all things before settling on, on anything. Um, she does have a really cool, like, um, MO when she does get to school because like her dad knows kung fu and her mom works in video games so like, she's going to be the coolest kid on the playground. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> so I, I hope she does and if she doesn't, that's a good deal. Um, yeah, so uh, Nathan is now eight and um, he's been using Scratch for a couple of years. He's got a, a little game he's working on Scratch at the moment. He's got a plan for four games in the series. He hasn't finished the first yet, but he's got it all planned out. The, the eight-year-old feature creep is, is you stuff that's going to go into this game. Um, but I'm not going to talk about it, I'm just going to say that what you do with the first one is you keep it simple, then you move on to the second. I'm, I'm, we've, we've gone through this several times, but he's quite sunk in. Um, but he's having a blast. The Scratch website is really good. They have nice moderated comments. Yeah. Um, so he's able to have interactions with other people about their games. You can remix other people's games really easily, so you can just download them, try them out, change something, and put it back up there again. Um, he's learned a lot from that. And, you know, we tried to, to stop him. We, well, we, we didn't try very hard, but we did try a bit to stop him from spending all of his time in front of the computer. We do occasionally go out and do stuff outdoors, but he, he loves it. Um, he, he is energized by it, he enjoys it. He's been playing Minecraft for a very long time now. He's uh, he's on a server that is um, uh, run by an Australian educator. And it's basically, it's up to kids, teachers, parents, and all the rest. Um, it's extremely kid-friendly, nice and moderated and all the rest of it. And he goes on there, he chats with these kids from all around the world. He's now a junior moderator, so he's very excited about that. Um, I can't stop him enjoying what he enjoys, so I'm trying to encourage him to enjoy it creatively, productively, but uh, I, I, he says he wants to do this. He wants to be a game developer, it's like, okay, that's fine, um, I'll give you a hand. Uh, so we started with Scratch, I want to try to get onto Construct, which isn't too big a leap. Unity's a little too, too far for him, um, but he has helped me to debug a few games before, tested them out for me, broken a few things, which is what they are very good at doing. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's it, my husband's a developer as well, so he's, he doesn't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, my twins are four and a half, and my youngest is two and a half. 
Um, so they don't really uh, understand what I do. They ask me, and when I say I sit at a computer and type a lot and go to meetings, it doesn't sound that awesome. So I don't, I don't think it's something like you know I'm pushing them to do. But they know mommy makes games, and they love games. Um, board, iPads, leap pads, you know, phone games, any anything that they can get their hand on to play. So it is important to balance it. Um, I think one of the things, the lessons I love that they learn while they're playing games is the win and lose part of it. A lot of things nowadays tend to be like trophies for everybody, that kind of thing. So I'm really very sensitive about trying to find something that teaches them, you know what, try again, you lost, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but in the end, you know, when I think about how I got into games, I just like stopped what I did. I was coding medical software. So boring. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I just kept going at this company. And then, you know, I was such a gamer. And at that time, there weren't a lot of schools out there that had like game development degrees, much less courses, you know. So uh, there was one, DigiPen, out in Redmond, Washington, where I went. Um, you know, for, I was 24 and I was the only woman in a hundred team, you know, a hundred student class of boys and me, and they were all 18 pretty much, I was 24, it was crazy. Um, but I followed my passion because I wanted to do it and I knew what I wanted to do and I just, my parents supported me and that's all I want for my kids at that point. I've, like I said before, if you're passionate about something and you're really driven, you're going to succeed at it, and you just need the support of your friends and family to do it. So if they want to do it, great, awesome. I totally encourage it. Thank you so much. So we're now going to open up the floor to questions. If you don't get your question answered tonight, or you think of one later, you're welcome to follow everybody on Twitter. If you can't see the screen, I want to point out that Avita can be found at Avita Mick. That's A-V-I-D-A-M-I-C. Chris Hart can be found at D Strawberry Girl. Amanda Warner can be found at Animator Mommy. Caleb Garner can be found at Part 12 Studios, that's the number one, two. And Scott McMillan can be found at Scott McMillan, which is M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N, and I am at GameBits. So who has a question? And if it's for a specific individual, please point that out, otherwise we'll submit for everybody. Emma? The question was, are you, do you ever marvel at how much faster your kids are going to absorb technology compared to us? Because we are all old, slow dinosaurs. Yep. I think it came when she opened up, the, yeah, she opened up the iPad by herself, opened up her app, and started playing. And I was like, and she was nine months. And I'm like, you know what, can you earn that? Um, and it's so intuitive for them. And they, you know, like, just, just like we're walking on the backs of the dragons that came before us, like, they're going to be that much further. Like, at least I think so. Awkward mic, awkward mic. I actually, I actually changed, I, I used to think that. And I was like, oh my god, look at them using these things. And and then I somebody had said, or I read, and they were like, wait a minute, but these are the most refined, simple user interfaces that we have ever come up with. They're simpler than anything that has come before. So why is that a big deal? And I was like, oh crap, you're right. Because, yeah, they have, so I expect that they are going to do amazing things, and it will continue to get simpler um, for most of humanity to do those things. Um, I think that kids with 
being exposed to this kind of world early on is really interesting and kind of what we do as a society and balancing that for our children is going to be really interesting but i honestly have no idea what way that's going to go at all. i haven't even thought about it until i said it now so that should be fun <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that's interesting too is just you know, the, I guess this doesn't really have a whole lot to do with it specifically, but as much as it's just that, like I read these choose your own adventure books with my son. I actually bought a bunch of the old twisted plots and stuff. The ones I had it when I was reading in the fourth grade and stuff. And so um, reading it's really funny though because you always start the same book, right? You start the same story and you start making choices, which then branch off all these different paths. But it's interesting because one day I was reading this one called Mystery of Chimney Rock, and. Um, yeah, yeah, my son has memorized like the first page. And it's like a lot. It's like, I like literally just watched him. I'm like, <laughs> he's just like reading verbatim from memory. And I'm like, I couldn't tell you the first three sentences of this thing. And he just like paragraphs. It's just crazy. So it's just interesting to see as we're talking about technology and as children are going to be absorbing the technology around you know, that they've got this, they are these sponges that just forget how. Children are able to absorb information so much better than we can now. We're all grown up and stuff, you know. So they haven't had so. the mass cell die off yet. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. They're just there. It's just, it's just incredible. So I just thought, I mean, all children are like this, and it's just not just my child's brilliant. Of course, it is. But no, you know. But seriously, it's just, it is interesting to see that about your children. So the things you do, you know, repeatedly expose them to, and so I think they're going to retain that information. And as this technology allows a user to do cooler things. I do, I do see a simplification of technology at the same time, which is good. I mean, I think it's because ultimately, why make the same things harder to do? Like, it's not like you're working on a DOS, you know, MS-DOS screen, you know, from like 1980. It's just like, uh, it's, it's come a long way. So, you know, we interested to see what the future holds for that technology and how it impacts, you know, our kids and everyone. Um, yeah, I think um, the power of interacting with devices and technology from a very early age over sitting in front of the TV is is huge. Um, I credit it with, with Nathan learning to read quite early on. He's there trying to play a game. Instructions are coming up in text, and he has to learn to read that text. He has to learn to interact with it. If you're just watching a TV show, there's no real incentive to read anything. Um, if you have to understand what one word means opposed to another, then I think that's, that's quite powerful. Um, that has now developed into um, uh, wiki fanaticism. Um, he, he will read the wiki for all of the games that he is really into. So if you want kids to love your game, make a wiki. <laughs> all this stuff. They will dive right in there. They will learn all the facts and they will share those facts with all the kids in their class. So you'll have them talking about Terraria, Minecraft, and if you get this level with this boss and then this happens and then this happens, if you don't handle that, then that's not going to work because I saw it written on the wiki. Yeah, so get, get away, kids. It's, it's, <laughs> kids, I, 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 can, I can speak for my, my boy, obviously. I, I don't know if this is true for all of them, but um, my eight-year-old and his peers and all the kids I've seen them out with, they go right in for this stuff. They love it. I used to love it when I was a kid. I mean, I was I was eighty, I still am. But that, that ability to go really deep into detail, they love it. And they feel empowered by it because they know something you don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's me. Yeah. And my son, my son just recited like this. This guy was waiting outside. After it was after school. Sorry, um, that after school, and my son was reciting to one of the teachers the whole process of how you get to the black dragon in Minecraft. He's like, first you get some rock, you make your pickaxes, then you get the iron, then you get to smelt it, then you got. It was just so funny to watch him. I'm just like letting them talk. I'm like, this is 
It's so funny. But you're right, it's, it's interesting. Like, one of the things I'm doing also with Minecraft, and actually my son, of course, he's using a PC. He used to play it on the iPad, and I forced him to stop playing the iPad version and play the one on the Mac. And so and now he, he's, he's been exploring creative. Yeah. And it's awesome. I, I don't like creative at all. I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't know, I just want to just give me a mission, give me quests, you know, whatever, survival. It's like, yeah, find food. But then for, for him, though, it's like he's been, there's a, one of the screens you can bring up actually brings up all the stuff, right? And there's actually a search bar. And I basically told him um, he like learning to type now because he wants to type in the words for the different things he wants to find from that huge list of items. So it's really cool. And like you're saying with the reading, it's the same thing. They're gonna. Learn, I learned how to type on bulletin board chat rooms. Like I, I, I tried typing. I suck at it. That's how I learned how to type. Was when I went to chat with somebody. Cause I had motivation. Oh my god, this is something awesome. How boring. <laughs> you know? but that's just how it was. I mean, so, so yeah. So I see how you know again. You know, and like and like uh, you know, uh, Peter Griffin said, if kids don't want to read, how will they ever know what's on? You know, on TV. So. Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I agree with all, all the parents and colleagues here is that um, it's amazing to watch. It's your kids, well, my kids still swipe, try to swipe our TV. Ashley, don't touch the TV. I can't <laughs> tell you how many times I can't. They get fingerprints all over my oh, back monitor. Oh. <laughs> no, it's not it's a touchscreen. Oh, no, it's terrible. And then my husband will just come here and be like, God, they will never know what it's like to turn on a TV without a remote. They will never know what life was before. Jeez, so, yeah. 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 You know, and I don't know how to turn off my TV without a remote. <laughs> but it's, it's like these things, and it's just adapting, and I feel like they're just going to excel past us as far as what they know. And you just got to, you know, let them go with it. But it's amazing to watch because they're so young, and they're just like, soaking it in totally. And it's, the question is, what advantages does being a game developer parent confer compared to being a non-game developer parent? Having, I, I guess, probably the what, what imagination. Perks, what perks did you take during character creation? <laughs> 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 going on here. Analyze the system that is this incredibly complex human being in front of you. 
and try and figure out what's going on in their head, um, which is a really good thing to remember at 3 a.m. if you can manage it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what other parents do because I only know about us. But I spend a lot of time with Legos with my kids. And we make crazy complex scenes and places to put our hot wheels and stuff. And we have race tracks everywhere. So I feel like that's what I, you know, that creative environment you're in all the time kind of translates at home. And it's natural. You keep going. And it's fun. It's like the little kid in you is never lost. And I... I, I don't know, I, I love doing that. That's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, um, yeah the, um, the ability to be able to relate to your child back game that they're playing, if you've played it as well, it's easy to be. Um, if you're making a game and they're playing your game, you have another level of interaction you've never really had the chance to experience before. If you get one of their friends to play your game, that's even better. But it, you, you get the street cred that we were saying from, you know, my son and his friends, obviously. I can talk to them about stuff. I went, I made the mistake, don't do this mistake. So, <laughs> I'm wearing the Minecraft shirt of doing <laughs> This is the Minecraft periodic table elements um, featuring you know, things like um, uh, iron ore and uh, netherrack, stuff like that. Um, but I went to a birthday party wearing this shirt. Um, uh, it was a birthday party with seven, eight-year-olds, and uh, and then it was cake time, and they all came over to me with their cakey fingers, going, "Oh no!" So lessons we learned. This was for the adults, not for the kids. <laughs> so yeah, it's you know, I mean, yeah, it, I think it's just it's just interesting with. Just how it goes. I mean, with the kids and how they behave, I think the thing I've come to realize is they're—you know—you have no idea what your kid's going to be like as a person, right? Like my kids take after me in some ways, and some—and and my kids take after my wife in other ways, and probably take after their grandparent. I have no idea what what genetic you know makeup helps make their certain disposition, but you know, learning to deal with them as who they are, as opposed to you know, how you would expect them to be, is, is a great exercise in terms of game design too, because you know how it is with tutorials. You can't assume the players understand what you're doing, and you have to kind of design around that and, and design for that. Um, but, you know, I guess, yeah, just like a, so that's, that's what I would say, is just go with that, you know. But it's definitely possible, but I just say don't, I guess it's just hard to predict what they're going to be like, and that's been one thing that I've noticed. It's like I don't always know how to read my kids because like, I just don't know what's going on in their heads. Like, you know, is it a temper tantrum? Is it because he's tired, or is it because he's making a poor decision, or what it could be a number of things? Exactly. <laughs> so there's so much uncertainty and, and chaos that goes with it, and it's all part of it. It's just it's just how it is. You know, we, we were like that with our parents. I'm sure our kids, our parents, were to figure out us, and we're trying to figure out our kids, and on and on, and life goes on. So, yeah. I have a conjecture. I'd like to offer an answer to that question. I have three older brothers, and we all grew up playing video games. And my brothers were awesome at it. One brother could walk into an arcade, put a single quarter to Pac-Man, and play for an hour blindfolded. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And yet, I don't know what happened. At some point, all three of my brothers grew up. And they went into business and law and switched from Mac to PC. And among three brothers, including some with kids of their own, there are, is not a single video game system among them. I even asked, can I buy your son and daughter an 8-bit Nintendo? And they said, no, they don't want games in the house. I don't know what happened to them. 
I don't know what happened to my brothers that they grew up. Whereas I still like all the things I liked as a kid. I still think video games and water parts and stuff like that are awesome. And that is consistent among other gamers I've met, people in this room. Gamers know how to have fun. And gamers who have kids, those kids are going to have a blast. And I think that's an advantage that gamer kids have, or gamer parents have raising kids. Anyway, that's true. Yeah, uh, question there. Hi. So the question was, how do you help your kids strike a balance between being like you and doing nothing but playing video games and going outside and being a well-adjusted child and well-rounded unlike us? <laughs> Scott. The, uh, so for us, the amount of video games that, that Peter uh, mostly and, and then Tamsin sort of get to do is, is very low. Um, and most of it right now, like so, that's the baseline is low for time, and when that 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 gets regulated based on their self control around when it has to end. So the bigger fuss that gets kicked up at the end of a session of that, the less likely we are to. And we tell them, we say, look, you know, that if you're gonna behave that way when we stop, if you can't handle us stopping, we will not do it for a while. Um, and that's something that uh, my wife and I both really think is important uh, based on the aforementioned World of Warcraft time that I spent. Um, you know, that's having self-control and having a broad set of interests is not only to me, it's not only important for being a healthy human being, but it's also important if you want to be a game dev, you can't just play games. You have to do lots of stuff and have lots of inputs. So that's kind of, that self-control thing is what we're working with right now. Um, and maybe that'll evolve and change, but that's where we're at. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like, my wife and I kind of differ in that too, you know, because that's kind of the, like, thinking back to the other thing with the advantage thing, you know, yeah, I'm definitely, like, the fun parent. My wife is definitely more of the serious type. She's great housekeeper, super organized. I'm not. And, um, unfortunately, I'm the one that's at the house more than she is, so we're, we're working through that. But it's, it's, it is, it's interesting how, um, you know, like there's that whole thing, I saw something recently how they're saying Steve Jobs basically doesn't let his children, never let his kids have any electronics, right? Like all these Silicon Valley people are basically like all anti-technology, yet of course they're peddling the stuff as a livelihood. You know, I just don't know. I just feel like it's hard to say. I, you know, will this technology somehow cripple children in 10, 20 years? I don't know. I, 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 I don't think it will. I, I, look, I was playing in, the, uh, in television on my black and white television at 2 in the morning when I was 6 meaning space armada, you know, or whatever old it was, but I was young. And, um, yeah, I just don't think that it's bad. I think it's just finding a balance. And I'd say right now, you know, right now it's more electronics, it's more games right now because it's cold outside. Yeah. I'm not taking my kids outside, I'm not going outside. Now when the weather's nice, we go to skate parks, we go to do all kinds of stuff that the weather for allows. So we go walk into the park, like we have a pond nearby that we go to walk into and explore and look for treasure and mine and gems and, of course, glass. Uh, it's your diamonds to Ashton, but anyway, so yeah, I think that it's going to be, a, you know, is technology or too much technology bad? I just, I think that the jury's, it's just, it's, a, it's not, no one's come up with a decision yet on this, and I think that we, I just don't know in one way or the other yet, and I think time will tell. Maybe we'll find out 10 years, well, oh my god, we're such terrible parents, could we let them do this, or maybe it wasn't that big a deal after all, you know, it's hard to say, and um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think that it's just, again, I, I just, I'm about weather, you know, I just don't care. I'm not going outside in freezing cold weather just to be outside and look at pine trees. 
whatever. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I honestly like I, I'm totally with you. Like it, it's bloody cold outside. Like, <laughs> and snow's different. Snow's different. Snow's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, that is entirely different because it's like, oh my god, snow! <laughs> you know, your your nose is gonna fall off, but okay. Um, but no, I'm I'm. I think everybody's kind of figuring out what their comfort level with screen time is. Um, and I don't know that anybody has the right answer, though I do like your, your approach to it. That, and, and I have done that, like, if you can't handle it, I'm shutting it off. And I have distinct memories of my mother saying that <laughs> to my brother, like, when he was like, God damn, talk about <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I think there is, like, the level of frustration that gets involved, then it's time to shut it down and do something else. Um, and it's just something that you, you kind of feel your way through. Um, I am totally the parent who will hand off their phone to the kid in the restaurant to keep him quiet for like five more minutes. Totally, no judgment, no judgment. I used to be like wicked judgy when people would do that, now I'm like, no, here you go, have fun. So yeah, I, I think people will, we will find out the consequences as we <laughs> as we as we learn, you know, to live with the new technology that we have. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm I am concerned about is her being able to interact with other humans in a face-to-face -face manner, because I think everybody, you know, a friend of mine is dating like a 20-year-old, and she just wants to have serious conversations via text message, and that's not okay. <laughs> So I don't want her, you know, I don't want her to be afraid of talking to people. So that that is something I'm concerned about. Other than that, I'm gonna we'll just see how it goes. Um, yeah, a similar experience on the once they start screaming, then that's time to stop. Um, usually, that only happens with uh, with the more intense games, stuff that is a little bit more advanced for him. He's been playing a lot of Destiny recently, and he plays, you know, with other people, not with chat or anything, he doesn't know any of these people, he just drops in, plays, gets grumpy with them. So then we turn it off. But he's very good, he's better than me. Um, but we, you know, he, yes, he he cycles through various things and play a bit on his PC, a bit on the Xbox, a bit on the iPad, so he's very in the technology, it's great. Um, but he also goes obsessed and reads for a very long time. Um, when he wants to. Um, we do do the iPhone in the restaurant sometimes. Um, but that said, we managed an hour and a half, over two hours in a restaurant um, the other day with a bunch of strangers. Um, we were meeting up, it's a family, <laughs> family that met these people on the internet. My, my, my father-in-law met someone on the internet. It's just great. It's not a good, it's going to go down real fast. Um, so my, my father-in-law moderates one of the SIV um, forums. And one of his father moderators is a guy who lives locally. And so my father-in-law was visiting. We met up with, the, with his friend and their family. And so we're sitting there at lunch, all adults, and my son is jabbering away. Chatty, chatty, chatty about everything. And you know, they learned all about things they never knew before. Um, which is, thanks Nathan, that's great. But yeah, over two hours without a phone, he was an absolute superstar, so I'm so proud of him. So far we're getting away with it. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the question now. How do you 
Balance. How do you balance it? So it's a constant challenge. It's more, it's more challenging than any game you've ever played. It's the most challenging game because there's no rules. Other than trying not to get it wrong. They change. They change all the time. They get older. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're constantly compensating. Yeah. I guess I'm lucky that I have three around the same age. They all kind of feed off each other. I think I'd lose my mind if I had one and I had to entertain them all. But that being said, they kind of get tired of doing screen time sometimes on their own. Sometimes not, but for the most time, they'll get antsy. They want to move, they want to run. They want to run a lot. And our poor downstairs chamber, whatever, you know. That's what they signed up for, but they just, they will run around our, our contest just constantly. It's like, all right, it's too cold to go outside, right ahead. And, you know, we kind of, my husband and I both got to get into it. We're like, okay, let's make a fort. Let's, 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 you know, change our living room into something crazy. And we jump on the couches, we do the arrow mattress, crazy stuff, you know. And it's, it's they love it. They, they see us doing it. They also see us going out and exercising a lot. So they, they're used to seeing that balance that we do. Granted, we're probably on our devices too often, and that's something we're very conscious of. Because now that they have their own, like, V-pads, their own devices with their names on it, you know, it's, 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 they, they follow, you know, they, they, yeah. they do what you do. Right. And if you're on it and you're constantly looking at it, they think it's okay. So I think that is more of the struggle that I have, is like, we don't do what we say we want to do. Um, they actually are really good, and they will tell us when they're antsy, because they are like whiny, they want to get out, they don't want to do it. Yeah. And that being said, there's a lot of devices that have uh, timers on it, um, so that when you do have children or you have children now, like. You know, phone devices can limit the time, like 30 minutes a day, you set it, and once they're done, they're done. They're like, oh, time's up, crap. Oh, I'm out of fuel, crap. And then they know, and they'll put it away, and they'll charge it, or whatever, you know. So they, they know these things, and that's that's kind of refreshing. I'm glad they do that. But yeah, I think it's um, I think it's probably more about, like, making sure you encourage that kind of balance. Setting, setting, the, setting the good yeah. example. Big timers yeah. for your friend. They really are. Maybe I actually one. Christmas, the little metal ones, and it's just like, like after like 15 minutes, you know, yeah. that's it. I'm setting. You gotta shut yeah. up. Here, you know. Yeah, I put on my and phone timer all the time. You know, all the time. Sometimes yeah. it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. But something they know. can watch countdown. Exactly. <laughs> just to be aware of time passing. Yeah. All right, we'll take we'll take two more questions. Hi. <laughs> so the question is, tell us a story about your kids, the story you want us to know that demonstrates the kind of people that they're growing up to be, especially if it relates to gaming. That's a good question. Oh. For me, the thing I love is the kind of teamwork they do together. So it's not just like video games, it's collaboration, it's team building, it's supporting each other. That is like, oh my god. You know, one of them will be on uh, the Lightning McQueen race game, you know, my youngest. And the other two are hovering over the little phone, right? And they're like, swipe, swipe, no, back it, tap, tap, tap on the blue, here. And they'll grab his hand and help him. And I just, I flip and love that. Like, they help each other all the time, whether it's like with puzzles, like actual like wooden puzzles, or like ask if they need help. That kind of like, that kind of stuff where they're collaborating together, oh my. It's just like, that's awesome, good for you guys, you know, because they love each other and they want each other to win. And, you know, they don't care about 
if I lose, and, and also they say, you know, if you're first place, good for you, I'm second place, good for me, you know, they know, they understand, you won, and I didn't, and I, I think that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Um, collaborative player, I'm not that. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we play with Nathan, we play games with him, so like when we were playing the Lego game, when he was first starting to play games, we played with two controllers, and we could both jump around and do stuff together. Um, the most fun I've had playing with him collaboratively, um, I mean, we play Minecraft together, which is hilarious. The most fun was Portal 2 co-op. Um, I mean, I feel like a really bad parent when I admit that he finished Portal at the age of like five or something like that before Portal 2 came out. And he was singing, you know, this little song at the end. Yes, exactly. He's singing about this iconic computer for once. So then we play, because he plays through Portal 2, he's, he loves the games, um, completely oblivious to the dangerously evil psychotic robot. Um, but we play the two-player game, and you're shooting portals collaboratively to solve puzzles, and you get through the first part of the puzzle, and yes, I'm really well, high fives and all that nations. And then you're walking along, and suddenly the portal appears underneath you, and you're dead. <laughs> okay, do it again. Yeah. Oh great, he's trolling me. <laughs> 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 it's because in a, a, a PvP session. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I know I say this a lot, but like every day I feel like she's more and more a little kid. Um, she's, you know, full on toddler now and has opinions on things <laughs> and, and an imagination that started running. And, um, but it's so funny to like watch her concentrate on something. She was born with these ginormous cheeks, like huge, <laughs> huge cheeks. And I don't know how, but when she concentrates on something, they grow. Like <laughs> 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 she's leaning over something, and she gets like, yeah, there she is. Like, cheeks. <laughs> um, yeah, we call them concentration cheeks. So, it's like if she's leaning over the eye patch. <laughs> That's the, yeah, that's why I'm sorry, and she's going to be really embarrassed when she's older, and it's like, you have these parents cheeks. <laughs> that's all I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just think of it. It's, it's funny. As far as gaming, so, so my older son, he's, good, he's really into Minecraft, and it was really funny how he, he was kind of trolling me a little bit, where we were down inside of this, uh, this, this I guess, um, it's gorge, whatever it is, like this valley, and I basically it was a really steep wall. And what I showed the trick of look, if you pour some water at the top, it creates a waterfall, and you can just swim down, right? Like instant ladder, safely fall and not get hurt. So we start swimming back up. He gets up before me, and he takes a bucket, you know, and he takes the water away, and he runs down the bottom. I'm like, dude, why did you just do that? You know, I'm stuck down here now. I don't have a pickaxe. Right? And I was like, no, I did. I was like, I started to find him. I'm on my way up. So I'm like, you know, but it was, it was a little deep. 
that's that's one book you can do. It's really funny, but he's good. You know, he didn't like what I did to him though too. He's like, yeah. he's on the, <laughs> the table return and I didn't return the favor later on and stuff like that. But anyway, it's all fun. Um, but no, my younger son, and this is really bad, I know, because so there's this game I've been really hooked on called Seven Days to Die. It's one of these sandbox survival games and zombies and all that stuff. And Anyway, my, my youngest son is three. He he. The song has this melody that goes like dun 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 dun. dun. Anyway, so he he sings that song to me because he wants to play that game. So like, like, <laughs> that, that, I want to die. I want, he can't say seven days to die. He's, 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 <laughs> so he went to sit in my lap and watch me play this game. It's just so funny because like one of the monsters actually throws up. Like it's yeah. like this belching vomitous thing. <laughs> <laughs> so he's he, 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 <laughs> it's this little three-year-old kid, and it's just, just too funny. And, oh my god, it's just, just too funny. My wife doesn't get any of it, of course, but I'm just like, I'm cracking up because we know exactly what, she, what he's talking about and passion, so it's really funny. So, <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Tamsin is less into games than, than Peter is. Peter's really enthusiastic about them. Um, and Peter watched me pretty much play all the way through Rogue Legacy. Um, and if you've played Rogue Legacy at all, uh, the bosses in there are mostly named after historical characters. There's Herodotus and there's Ponce de Leon and a couple others. So that led to instance of Peter running around going, I am Ponce de Leon! <laughs> I'm spitting eyeball fire! Cool, I get that. <laughs> but uh, it was really cool. Uh, the other week, uh, like like a month or two ago, I finished Game Plus and beat the, the end boss on Game Plus, and we were talking about the end boss and, and you know the mechanics of it, kind of like you know it, uh, the end boss has a resurrection thing where you defeat him the first time and he, he laughs and comes back to life bigger and more powerful. And uh, a day or two later, Peter said, "Dad, Dad, you you know I I want your help with my boss fight." And I said, oh, and I come in, and he goes, he's got all his Matchbox cars lined up. And he says, okay, now. And Anya was like, Anya had been helping him with this, so now it was my turn. And Anya handed it off to me, explaining the rules. And the, the cars had to drive up on him and tickle his armpits. And then he would give each car a couple, I think, coins or diamonds. And when they had enough diamonds, then he was defeated. He was the boss. And but he would then come back more powerful than ever, uh, and I was like, I'm not going to win this. Uh, but we did play long enough to come up with. Uh, he went into a second mode and started, and he was like, and now I will do this and flip, you know, spit fire at these cars, and, and we would flip the car. The cars had to dodge, and if they didn't dodge, and they got flipped over, and the other cars had to come and heal them, and we did about 20 minutes of that. Uh, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> So the answer to the question, what kind of person are your children growing up to be, is monsters. <laughs> Especially Caleb's. Yes. <laughs> okay, last question of the evening. Way in the back. Hi. Have your gameplay experiences or the games that you play changed since you became a parent? So uh, mine have changed in two ways. Uh, the one is the same thing that, that Dan, that you're talking about, is kind of this this like, you know, I, I had a switch flipped in terms of how I view, you know, danger to children, right? And I haven't played, it's not that funny. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the, uh, and the, uh, 
mostly though, like I've seen that in movies. I haven't played many games where I've been in that situation, uh, partially because I don't tend towards them, partially because the other change in my gaming habits is that all my long-form gaming went way the hell out the window. Um, and most of my gaming moved over, until recently, most of my gaming moved over to uh, iPad and iPhone because I was getting it in quick snatches here and there. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it's got the same thing. When it comes to gaming, I can't say it's changed a lot, but it definitely is apparent. It's worth like, you know, how I experienced Laurie dying in The Walking Dead, you know, as a parent and everything going through all that was way more intense than it ever would at a twenty-something, you know, without any any cares in the world. So, yeah, I definitely know. I, I have experienced that. I've seen other stories. I can't think of any others that immediately jump out. I know recently my wife and I were watching something, and I remember being much much more impacted by it because it definitely dealt with the, the the loss of that. And I, you know, I can see that now because you know I remember even when I was my first son was born. You know, I remember that feeling, that bonding thing. It didn't happen instantly. I mean, it wasn't that I had some weird, like, I don't like this kid or something. It was just like, but there was a weird sort of like, okay, here's this, this little fella here, and, you know, I'm taking care of him, he's great. I mean, you know, he's crying a lot. But this, really boring early on. Yeah. You can't hold a decent conversation. No, it's you know, suck at games, okay? I mean, so, you know, but, totally selfish, exactly. But, but yeah, so I definitely feel like that I think as a parent, you know, that, that does change, and I definitely would love to have more experience like that. In The Walking Dead, uh, actually, Telltale game, you know, that was obviously... That had some heavy moments too, and I think that the, I will say that was one game example that was going on that I was affected much more, I think, as a parent, and being able to relate to children in that sense, I think, more than I could if I wanted. And I just, there's really no, no, no you can't, can't replace that. I think you can, you can imagine, but it's, again, it's like any experience in your life. Until you've had it, you just can't understand it. And then, unfortunately, at times, just like with all of us, you know, as you get older, your perspective changes, you look back on anything you've done when you're younger as, you know, hindsight. It's just how it is. Um, yeah, I, well, both of you, both of you have said this, but like my, um, my gaming habits definitely changed. Um, before Emma was around, um, before I was married, I could, you know, fart away an entire day on World Warcraft and, and be completely happy about it. Like, a friend of mine went on a dating website and one of the questions was like, have you ever spent eight hours gaming? And I'm like, no, that's not an actual, that should be like, how often do you spend? Because <laughs> that might be more of a problem, but um, yeah, like your, your time to, to do the longboard gaming goes completely away. And I too was doing mobile, but I actually, um, I actually picked up a love of first-person shooters. Now that now the shooter, um, which is really weird. Um, the shortest form of gaming. I guess, like you know, when I can be a sniper, it's awesome. It's just like it's so efficient. Um, so that that has shifted, but like both of you said, um, whenever there's an element of danger to children, like I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> I, like I was saying before, with The Last of Us, the first 20 minutes, I'm like, I can't, what is wrong with you people? Um, and oh, Bioshock, I, of course, I saved all the sisters. I mean, usually with a game, though, I tend to skew towards, like, I want the happiest ending possible. <laughs> so, like, uh, uh, um, but in movies and TV shows, like, we just watched Broad Church, and it's all about, like, solving the murder of this, of a, eight-year-old and I'm like, I can't, what is wrong with people? Like, it definitely, 
it definitely flips a switch in you and suddenly like you can't and my husband too like the two of us will sit there and like sob on the couch together <laughs> gotta go hug the baby gotta go hug the baby <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Um, we've never seen the last episode of Torchwood um, because it was all about children. Um, never, I don't know if I will actually, but um, yeah, my gaming habits. The first three to six months, um, you know, babies go through plant, pet, person. Someone said to me, it's absolutely true. All we have to do is just feed them and they'll just do their thing. You know, you tend to them, feed them. But yeah, so for the plant stage, um, <laughs> I got into playing Sims 2. Um, I had him in a little sling and I was playing. You know, it's so simple to play that game. It, it's funny, it's simple, it makes. You don't need to think about anything. I couldn't. I was. I don't remember much of the first year. I didn't get a good night's sleep for the first eighteen months. So, um, yeah, I think that was all I could cope with at that point. But nowadays, nowadays, um, uh, I have post bedtime games that I play. Post scenes. Uh, post bedtime scenes that I also play from games that I know are having scenes in them. So, say, um, I can play Dragon Age Inquisition quite happily with the headphones on, so you can't hear what's going on. Um, you can see all the very pretty scenery, but when it comes to hanging out with Iron Ball, I'm not having that on the screen. When he's, uh, when he's awake. Um, uh, there was uh, Mass Effect 3, they had the demo for Mass Effect 3 comes out, and, and I was uh, about to be launched, and I was like, so excited to play the demo. There's this little kid in it. He goes, blown up! And I'm like, So that's tough. Um, but let me turn to the brats, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so I have my post-bedtime post games. So I can play Wolfenstein after bedtime, I can play Shadows of Mordor after bedtime, and I can play bits of other games during the day. But there is very much a... I do, I do kind of miss playing adult games occasionally, because I don't get a huge amount of time to get really absorbed into a game before I fall asleep. Um, I'm, I used to have almost every single console at one point. Um, when my twins could start, when they started crawling, uh, yeah, my, <laughs> my 360 would turn on again after all the oh. fingers got poked in. And I don't even know what game was stuck in there. I was trying to cry. Who knows? Um, so we stopped buying consoles for the time being. Um, we do a lot of uh, quick. Uh, kind of mind-numbing, cleansing, puzzly kind of games on your phone because that kind of, I feel like that after after 9 o'clock when they get to bed, that's like, you know, you either watch something on TV, just let everything go out, or play something really quick on your game. I, I don't play as much as I used to, and I'm actually okay with it right now because I love playing with them, and if they're playing games, I'll play their games. Um, and it's kind of... Uh, kind of a personal agreement I made with myself. It's like now my career is my career and I love it and I can spend a lot of time doing it. When I'm home, that's, that's my home and that's what I care about is my family and if they want to play games with me, whether it's board, twister, forts, whatever, I will do that in a heartbeat but I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, playing video games at home because honestly I'm too too white 
maybe it'll change mm -hmm. when they're like seven or eight, but right now three three kids under five, it's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I totally has changed and I'm I'm I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Well, thank you so much to all the panelists for giving us your evening and getting away from your partners and kids for the evening. Uh, before we call the night, does anybody have any closing thoughts or sentiments? Um, I was trying to think of, of kind of what might be generally useful to know uh, before heading into having kids. Um, and especially for me, as somebody who, you know, I'm going to be 40 next year. We only started having kids when I was 35. So I had roughly 15 years to accumulate money, spend it on whatever the hell I wanted, stay up late, drink, eat pizza for days at a time, all that good crap. Um, and then somebody put it to me, so when you get to a spot where you're going to have kids, you find that it was it, it rang true to me what somebody said at one point, which was that it's sort of like a, a, an event horizon, you know, a place that no information can go past because when you're when you have kids, your life changes in ways that you can't actually really emotionally understand before you've had it happen. Like you can be told about it, but it won't make it won't hit you until you're there. Like you won't understand it at the gut level. And I think that that is probably true for most people. Um, you can decide. No, that sounds like shit. I don't want that. Like, and that is that is a completely valid decision. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is that. Your life is going to change a lot if you have kids. And it will change in ways where you can't do things you want to do. And you'll have to make your peace with that. But then also, you are, you, your priorities will most likely change about a lot of stuff. And you will not want to do things that you used to want to do. Which is not bad. Like, I feel very good about those things. Obviously, I don't want to do them anymore. Right? Like, this, I'm okay with that. Um, but a ton of stuff changes. And so, if there are things about your life that you must get done for you to feel complete as a human being in your life right now, try real hard to get them in, get those experiences in before you have kids, because you may not want to do them or be able to do them later. And that doesn't necessarily mean put off having kids, right? Because um, I don't know that that's a good idea, but it does mean think about real carefully what you want to do and when you want to do it, because you may not. You don't get take backs <laughs> after after that happens. Thing because then life for me went from very very freewheeling even after I was married to becoming you know to being outlined by responsibility on almost every front, and that's a burden that you have to carry and that you will need to make your peace with. Well, thank you so much to our panelists, Avita, Chris, Amanda, Caleb, and Scott. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net.